welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 332 of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And here at the Unpopular Podcast, I'm not really asking you to agree with me. I'm asking you to hear me out. You know, it's, it's, it's always funny how quick narratives can change. And how quick somebody can... A story can go from one plot line to another plot line to another plot line just so it can fill the just so the person that's telling the story can feel better about it. What do I mean by that? And why am I starting with this? Lamar Jackson. For the longest You've heard Lamar Jackson. He was pretty much at a standstill with the Baltimore Ravens organization about his new contract. The reports are he wasn't fully guaranteed. Uh, He wanted more than Deshaun Watson. All probably true. I don't know. I don't know Deshaun. I mean, I don't know Lamar Jackson. I don't have any sources. It's just what was reported. And the the first part of this story when everyone was saying, was talking about it was, yeah, Lamar Jackson deserves his money. Lamar Jackson deserves whatever he's asking for. Lamar Jackson won an MVP. Lamar Jackson uh, has a playoff win. Get Lamar Jackson his money. Get what he deserves. You heard that ring throughout the sports world, that Lamar Jackson deserved his money. But then when you see people like Russell Wilson, When you see people like Aaron Rodgers, when you see people like Kyler Murray get their money, then you hear, well, how can you expect Lamar Jackson to get that much if he hasn't won a Super Bowl like Aaron Rodgers? Everyone pretty much (laughs) felt he deserved more than Kyler Murray. But now you're starting that the, the triumphant. Yeah, Lamar Jackson needs to get his money. That starts to die down a little bit. Once you realize how serious he is about getting what he feel he's worth. And and, and I also realize, and you also realize quickly that what he feels he's worth is, is, is obviously different than what other people feel they're worth or feel he's worth. And what people think is the way that they view him, the way that they feel he's worth is how, what he should, what he should feel he's worth. So then the narrative goes, well, I love Colin. Let me know. I'm not going to say love. I, I listen to Colin Cowherd. But I have to call what I see and what I hear. Colin Cowherd throughout this entire process has been a roller coaster. And it's not just him, but he is the person that I'm going to focus on. You heard, again, He's one of the most electrifying quarterbacks we've ever seen. One of the greatest, greatest runners of the football at the quarterback position we've ever seen. You hear, and, and again, you know what? Let me not just center on Colin Cowher. Let me center on the entire story. You hear he wins 70% of the games that he plays. You hear, again, he has a Super Bowl. I mean, no, he has a playoff win. He's one of the youngest MVPs. But then you realize, oh, he's serious about it. Then he starts to hold out. 
or it looks like he's going to hold out. Franchise tag him. He's asking, people are saying he's asking for $200 million guaranteed or a fully guaranteed contract more, worth more than Deshaun Watson. And then you hear, well, Lamar Jackson's always hurt. Lamar Jackson's not that good of a passer. Lamar Jack, you really, I would, I would cut my losses with Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson can't get the deal done because he doesn't have an agent. And if he would have had an agent, or if he does have an agent, the deal would have been done. Well, would you, wouldn't, wouldn't you know? Today, or as we sit here today, Lamar Jackson is now the highest paid player in NFL history as far as annual salary. Lamar Jackson signs a five-year $260 million contract, $52 million per year, and that is $185 million guaranteed. Now, let me tell you what I think is true and what I think happened. I think it is true that originally Lamar Jackson wanted more money or asked for more money than Deshaun Watson and a fully guaranteed contract. I believe that's so because, again, we talk about quarterback market and we talk about the market in general. And usually the market is set by whoever gets paid last. Now, of course, Deshaun Watson was the outlier because everyone hated his contract. Of course, getting what two hundred and thirty million fully guaranteed, the highest paid ever, um, or most guaranteed money ever. That is, while yes, that is the market. Nobody is going to want to pay that. So I think originally Lamar Jackson saw that and said. I deserve more than what he has, which is which I believe is true. Deshaun Watson, as talented as he is as a quarterback on the field, he did have two or he did have an ACL injury. He did miss over a year. And of course, all the off the field incidents. Lamar Jackson has none of that. And I, I, I kind of feel like the whole injury prone title is. Kind of, uh, what's the word? Kind of blown out of proportion when we talk about Lamar Jackson. Yeah, he missed, what, six of the last 12 games each, or the last six games of each season, of last season and the, and the season before last, but he is fairly healthy as a quarterback. So I think originally Lamar Jackson did ask for more than Deshaun Watson. And and I, and I believe once he realized and once once he pretty much figured out that that wasn't going to be the market because quarterbacks after Deshaun Watson took didn't didn't get what Deshaun Watson got and pretty much asked for less or re- received less, then he di- he tampered his or he 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 came down on his on his fully guaranteed to maybe two hundred guaranteed. And I said it last episode, or yeah, I said it last episode, and I'll say it this episode. I think the thing that got Lamar Jackson's deal done was Jalen Hurts getting his deal done. Again, when you when you look at it, according you're, you're when you're comparing someone like when you're comparing Lamar Jackson to someone like Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson's going to win every time as far as that argument because he's done more than Kyler Murray. When you compare Lamar Jackson to someone like Deshaun Watson, he's Lamar Jackson's going to win every time. He's done more on the field than Deshaun Watson. 
when you compare someone like Lamar Jackson to a Russell Wilson, outside of yes, Lam- Russell Wilson did go to and win a Super Bowl and has been at two. The recent recent uh, Russell Wilson hasn't been great, so Lamar Jackson is going to win that battle. When you when you compare him to someone like Jalen Hurts, as far as wanting the money that he wants. That's when Lamar Jackson realizes outside of, yes, he has an MVP. That is all that he has that that Jalen Hurts doesn't. And Jalen Hurts, of course, has a Super Bowl appearance. So I think Lamar Jackson realized, okay, if Jalen Hurts is going to take $250 million, there is no way I can ask and get the guaranteed contract that he got. I think it was like $165 million or something like that. You can't, you can't then go, okay, there's no way, or I'm not going to say there's no way, but no one is going to give me more than someone that is just recently gone to the Super Bowl. And uh, I think he realized that and was like, all right, I have to acquiesce. I have... I have to come down on the value. And that's what he did. Again, he originally was seeking $230 million guaranteed or more than that. So I don't think I don't think this is a loss at all. This is definitely a win for somebody that all you heard was, oh, he can't get this done because of X, because of Y, because he's injury prone, because he needs to improve throwing the ball, and because the Ravens playoff success, because or the lack of Ravens playoff success with him as the quarterback, because he doesn't have an agent. To hear all that and still get the deal done is the definition of black excellence, bro. Do I think I, I think it is tough. And it's going to be tough for the Ravens to win a Super Bowl. I mean, that's that's when you when you're in a division that has Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, or a conference that has Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, now Aaron Rodgers, J- uh, Josh Allen. It's going to be tough. But if you if you're the Ravens and you look, there's no way that you can feel confident enough. Going Sunday after Sunday, and the Ravens is a is a prideful organization. There's no way that you can go Sunday after Sunday go, and go up against these quarterbacks and and think that you're going to get it done with someone outside of Lamar Jackson. So both deal, so a deal had to be done, and a deal was done. So shouts out to Lamar Jackson. I do, I am happy that he got what he got. I, I'm sure that, and that's the thing about negotiations. If there's no way, I don't remember who said this. But they said in negotiation, if you leave, if one side leaving feeling like, ah, I got, I, I got, I got, I got, got. And the other side leaving says, ah, I could ask for more. That's pretty much a good negotiation. And again, shouts out to Lamar Jackson for agreeing to a hundred and or two hundred and sixty million dollar contract, one hundred and eighty five million dollars guaranteed. I, and and another thing that you can, even though, yes, this is a very expensive contract, this does leave room for the Ravens to make moves and to improve their roster. You still have people that's free agents that, you know, are they going to resign or not? 
Of course, they just brought in Odell Beckham Jr. Maybe that's that could be a long term contract after this year. I don't know. Oh, we heard Deshaun uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Even though reports are coming out said after the draft, it's like or after the first day, night of the draft, it's unlikely it's going to get traded. But you never know. Yeah, I, I, I'm happy for Lamar Jackson, man. I'm happy we can stop talking about it, and I'm and I'm saying it not in the sense of like I'm tired of hearing it, but. I'm I'm glad that somebody that felt he was worth what he was worth got what he felt he was worth. So, shouts out to Lamar Jackson, shouts out to the Ravens, and shouts out moving forward. So, the NFL draft night one happened, and I'm not going to break down every single draft pick. I'm not going to... You know, I, I, don't, I don't think I need to do all 32... No, and I'm not. And I will start this by saying congratulations to everyone that was drafted. Definitely deserves to be drafted. And shouts out to everyone that's going to be drafted in the next few days. You know, it it's definitely it's definitely an honor and a privilege to be drafted in. Whether you're drafted in the first round or you're drafted in the in the fifth round, you're drafted, and that is an accomplishment in of the same. That a lot of people. Most people in the world have never accomplished or and will never accomplish. So congratulations to all the people that were drafted and even the people that go undrafted that still make it to the league. You know, it's definitely, definitely uh, a a privilege and and definitely deserving. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to give some winners from night one of the draft and losers. There was a lot of the, the one of the biggest reasons why I don't like doing mock drafts is because it, it, there's so much movement that can happen in the draft. And as we saw this year, there there was a lot of movement from the third overall pick, um, the, fi- the 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 fifth overall pick. There was just movements all over the place as far as trades, as far as people moving up and down. So I don't really like doing mock drafts because there's really no way that it can even be close to accurate outside of maybe the first overall pick because just the movement that happens. And one of the biggest questions that were coming, that that came in or that was asked coming into the draft was who was going to go number one. It was pretty much between one of three people, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, and Anthony Richardson. And of course, Bryce Young was the one that, and, and and you kind of knew it was it was going to lean towards Bryce Young. There was there's no great options, and I will say I'm not, and that's no offense to Bryce Young, but to me, I don't think these are generational quarterbacks. I could be wrong, I could be wrong, and I hope that I'm wrong. I think Bryce Young was the best quarterback in this draft. I just don't know. Um, I don't know if he was. If, if he's going to change an organization, I do know that he's the first quarterback that the Panthers have drafted number one since Cam Newton. So that that could be a thing. But again, I don't when you look at someone like a Bryce Young, when you look at someone like a C.J. Stroud and, and all the quarterbacks in this draft, honestly, I don't know if there's any generational talents. But I do think that Bryce Young was worthy of being the number one overall pick. And I think he was. He is the best quarterback to come out of this draft, in my opinion, seeing as the success that he's dealt with. And there is something to be said, and I think that it's true that 
when you play in the SEC and you play for a team like Alabama, you're going up against the closest, the closest, uh, the closest talent level that. Let me. How do I say this? No, of course, college is not the NFL. But I think that when you play in the SEC and you play in, against some schools like a Auburn, like a like a like a Florida, like when you play the big schools and you play those schools that you know football is life and and just down south in that conference, I think you're playing to the closest iteration of the NFL you can in college. I don't think that there's not a college team. That would win against an NFL team, in my opinion. Even even if you talk about the Alabamas, it's just a different level once you get to the NFL. But I do think that playing in the SEC definitely prepares you better with the talent level that is spread out throughout the entire conference. But again, let me let me let me let me let me get on to my winners and losers. Let me talk about the first winner. The first winner, of course, in my opinion, is obvious. That's the Houston Texans. To to be, to originally draft second, and you get C.J. Stroud, which was the best available quarterback at the time. The it was an argument between C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, and of course, Bryce Young went number one. So you get C.J. Stroud, and then you make a blockbuster trade to go to to go. To, or to get the third overall pick, and you get what a lot of people are debating as the best defensive player in this draft, and Will Anderson. I think that's a win. Now, I will. I do understand what people are saying when they when they go a team that's rebuilding. You know, the last thing you want, and the last thing you can afford for a rebuild is a bunch of is a bunch of trades. You want to stockpile as many draft picks as possible. And you want to be as good as possible. So that means you get as more draft picks. But I say this. The Texans have a lot of, have a lot of issues. Don't get me wrong. There's a reason why they were the second, originally second overall pick. They're not that good. And you address your two biggest problems, which, of course, was the uh, pass rush situation and the quarterback. I think that is a win. And you got arguably you can argue two of the best players in the draft. There there is of course a debate about CJ Stroud and Bryce Young, but you got at least one of them and you got arguably the best defensive player in the draft. I think that that's always going to be a win. No, and you while well, yes, you did have to give up a lot. And it is for people that like to stockpile draft picks, I get it. Like the Oklahoma City Thunder in basketball, I, I understand. But those 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 you trading up was big, but you you swung and you to me you hit two home runs back to back, which of course is CJ Strout and Will Anderson Jr. So I think that um the Houston Texans are winners. And let me go to my first loser. And this one, <laughs> bro, Washington Commanders, man. Again, I shouts out to everyone that was in this draft. I feel everyone deserves to be drafted, and I'm not really talking about the player as much as the pick and the position of the pick. 
But my first loser, and I think the biggest loser this for the first or the biggest loser of the first night of the draft round one was the Washington Commanders. Let me tell you why. Washington finds themselves sort of in the same boat that the Texans find themselves in. The only difference is, of course, the Texans are worse. Washington has a lot of holes that need to be filled. They right now have the quarterback position because if you think and and trust me, (laughs) it'll be different, of course, if the Washington commanders had a Lamar Jackson. Well, obviously they do not. It'll be different if the news coming into the draft wasn't that Washington declined the fifth year option for Chase Young and a player like Chase Young and Montez Sweat could be traded on draft night. Or during the draft. So you compound all of that. Washington's biggest three needs was the quarterback position, the offensive line, because they were the wor- one of the worst offensive lines last year, and the cornerback position. So you addressing any one of those three with the 16th overall pick would have sufficed to me. And what does Washington do? They do address... The cornerback position. They get Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State. But So why am I considering them a loser? <sighs> because Washington, there was not a corner. Washington picked up the second cornerback in the draft. The second. Uh, what was the first one? Uh, uh, Davion Witherspoon. So we weren't gonna get you weren't gonna get Davion Witherspoon. You still had Christian Gonzalez, who a lot of people expect or a lot of people draft or put as the number one or number two cornerback. You still had Dante Banks, Maryland product. There was so many better options. Than a 170 pound Emmanuel Forbes. On top of that, Will Levis was still available. Now, do I think that Will Levis is the quarterback of the future? I don't know. But I do know that a lot of scouts had Will Levis going at least in the top five, and he was still available at 16. So you could have improved with the quarterback position. There was still plenty of offensive linemen. But you decide to go with not only now, yes, I'm sure Emmanuel Forbes is a great player. He was really good at Mississippi State. But again, he's a hundred and seventy pounds. And the pick right after you was Christian Gonzalez, which a lot of people ranked higher than Emmanuel Forbes. He was a freak at Oregon, Christian Gonzalez, a freak at Oregon. And he does everything better than Emmanuel Forbes. Again, man, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who be scouting. I don't know what what's, what goes into all of this. But I do understand when you mess up a pick. And I think Emmanuel Forbes can be great. But I think in majority of everyone else thinks that Christian Gonzalez would be better. It, it just, 
There were so many better options. So many better options. You could have Dante or Deontay Banks from Maryland. He literally plays 45 minutes from the stadium or 45 minutes. And you you pick this the the cornerback that was ranked fifth. The fifth overall ranked cornerback, you pick him with your you pick him above Christian Gonzalez, who was ranked the, the first or second in some in and on top of all that, you still need to address the offensive line and Will Levis was still out there. So yeah, I think the biggest loser of the of night one, of course, was the Washington Commanders. A winner, you have to go with the with the Philadelphia Bulldog. I mean, I mean, I mean. I'm sorry. You have to go with the Philadelphia Eagles. Philadelphia going into you picking them draft trading up, of course, and you getting arguably the best defensive or best overall player. A lot of people think is the best overall. The Philadelphia Eagles that was just in the Super Bowl. Drafted, traded up to get what a lot of people thought was the best overall player in the draft, which was Jalen Carter. You get him, he falls to nine, you get him at nine. And then you turn around and you get Nolan Smith at 30, who a lot of people thought could be a, if it wasn't for injuries and it wasn't, you know, pretty much if it wasn't for injuries and playing alongside Jalen Green, Jalen Carter, a lot of people thought Nolan Smith could be a top 10 quarterback. So you get him at or top 10 player, you get him at 30 and you get, (laughs) you get Jalen, Jalen Carter at nine on top of that. Remember they got Jordan. uh, I forgot his last name. Jordan. Damn, I forgot his last name. Last year, and of course you got uh, Nolan Smith. Like they, one of the biggest. Did the the it, when you when you when we just talked about Washington, and then you all, and then you look over and see Philly, both of them are are doing things completely different, and to me, both teams are moving in completely different directions one of them is going down one of them is going up that is that is very smart you looking and realizing yo we have to make some trades but there's there's a way that we can get arguably the best player in this draft at nine and especially at a position the defensive tackle that philly needed a a a huge increase and then on top of that, you look in Nolan Smith, who's an edge rusher, rusher, which another position that Philly needed needed help on. You get him at thirty. Again, it's just a it's a it's a it shows attention to detail, and it shows one organization. Again, we just talked about Washington, in my opinion, being the biggest loser. Not really under reading the room and not understanding. If you're going to pick that position, why don't you pick the best person available? And they didn't do that. Philly saw has saw the needs that they have and realized that they could get the best player 
arguably in this draft, if it wasn't for off the field issues, he Jalen Carter could have been could have went number one in a lot of drafts. And they went to go get him at nine. The Philadelphia Eagles is is probably one of the biggest winners of the night. Another loser has to be Will Levis. <laughs> like, and don't get me wrong. Again, this I'm 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 recording this. I'm sure Will Levis will probably Will Levis will probably go in the second or third round. I'm recording this, uh, so I'm not or on was it Friday afternoon, so I'm not really watching the draft. But there were times, and now we also we know that during the draft process, during the free agency, and during the off season, you hear a lot of lies come out. You hear a lot of misdirection because, of course, teams. Well, yes, it's still a league and everything. Teams are trying to. They're they're they don't want to give up their. They don't want to give up their their draft rights, draft positions. So. What they do is, of course, they they misdirect, they lie, and but you you heard throughout this entire draft that Will Levis could go number one, Will Levis could go number two, Will Levis can go as high as uh, as high as what four in the Indianapolis Colts. A lot of people thought that the Colts had Will Levis as their as their quarterback of the future. He resembled the closest thing to Andrew Luck, I guess. I don't know, but. When you're hearing all these stories about Will Levis could go number one, could go number two, and to not even get dropped in the first night has to be a loss. You're hearing stories or you're hearing reports saying it could be a toe injury that could have affected it. I don't know, but I do understand that (laughs) there's a reason why you were invited to night one, because a lot of people that get invited to night one have a very strong possibility of getting drafted. And for him not to get drafted the first night is is definitely a loss, especially when going in. A lot of people had him going as high as one. So from 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 the pinnacle, which is number one, to the floor, which is nothing. He I, to, he have to be a loser, and I'm not. And it's not just on him, of course, because. But again, you 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 thought that they. You know, he thought that uh, at least he thought he was going to get picked. And I thought he was going to get picked, too. Uh, and I guess my last winner, I'm going to have to go with the Green Bay pack. I mean, go with the New Orleans. Oh, New Orleans? What am I talking about? For my last winner, I'm going with the New England Patriots. You got arguably the best cornerback in the draft. And you're giving you're, you're putting him under Bill Belichick's tutelage and, of course, that defense that we know. Which is a pick after Washington, and they got man. Shouts out to shouts out to the Patriots again. Shouts out to everyone that uh, gets drafted and 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 able to change the trajectory of your family and 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 everything. So, congratulations to everyone that gets drafted. You know, and those are my winners or losers. And again, I I feel everyone that gets drafted deserves to be drafted. And while, yes, they could be winners and losers as far as the grand scheme of things. I mean, as far as linear, the grand scheme of things is you get drafted. And that's that's the most important thing. So let's move over to basketball. And I can't describe to you how shocked I still am that 
The Milwaukee Bucks lost the series to the Miami Heat 4-1. Jimmy Butler obviously was the best player in the series, but one of the biggest reasons why I think that this is one of the biggest upsets in basketball history, not the biggest, but one of the biggest is because of majority of people had the the Milwaukee Bucks winning the championship. Their team was good enough to win the championship. When you have multiple players that could end up on defensive, all defensive teams, when you have Giannis, who is arguably the best player in basketball, when you have Chris Middleton and he was rounding out to form, like he was coming back and, and looking like himself, it just – On top of that, Jimmy Butler, I, I just said, was the best player in the series. And one of the biggest reasons why I thought that that 56-point game that he had was one of the greatest in playoff history was because of who he did it against. Again, Drew Holiday was just voted the most underrated player in basketball and, and more than likely will end up on an all-defensive team. Brooke Lopez probably is going to finish or probably finish second or third in MVP voting. Uh, Giannis is a is a defensive player of the year and probably will end up on an all defensive team. So you're going against a stout defense, and you and you do what you did. Now, yes, I understand that Giannis pretty much missed two and a half games, and it probably took some time. It's it's going to take time to get your rhythm. I get that, but again. The Bucks are so good. They beat one of those one of those games. They beat the Heat soundly, and the Heat were without their third best player in Tyler Euro, and a very important piece coming off the bench in Victor Oladipo. Both lost in this series. So to do to 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 see all those circumstances that the Heat had to deal with. And then ultimately to beat a team that majority of the people thought was going to win the championship is one of the biggest upsets in basketball history. And, of course, we can talk about the the, the answer that Giannis had. Talking about, you know, there's no failure in sports and everything. And Michael Jordan played 15 years and won six championships. Does that mean he failed nine years? I understand what he said, and I understand what he was where he was coming from, and I can agree in some senses and in, in, in some things that he said. But one thing that I will disagree in is this is a failure of a year, especially when you see the circumstances that not only the Heat had to deal with, but the Bucks had to deal with, and it'll be different if. The Timberwolves. Now, no one thought, except maybe people in Minnesota, no one thought the Timberwolves were good enough to win a championship. No one even had Minnesota in the in the championship. So I don't think that this year is a failure for Minnesota. I do think that as far I do think that there were some moves that were failures for Minnesota, but I think overall nobody expected Minnesota to win a Super Bowl. I mean, no, to win a championship. So it's not that much of a failure. It's not an accomplishment, but it's not as much of a failure. The Milwaukee Bucks, I'm still confused as to how they lost this series. I know momentum is a huge part of it, but 
when you're talking about the players that the Miami Heat lost and the players that the Milwaukee Bucks have, there's it's I still cannot fathom how they lost the series. And this series in this year in general in total is a failure because you were favored to win this championship. And to go from championship favorites to getting out of not even getting out the first round is a failure. I still think Giannis is arguably the best player, but even Giannis, Giannis is one of the biggest reasons they lost the last game, game five. He went 10 for 23 from the free throw line and had a very costly turnover at the end of the game because he was scared to shoot it. I don't think this takes away from how good Giannis is. But, yes, this is a failure of a season. I do think that when you are projected to be an NBA champion and you don't even make it to the first round, that's a failure. Again, I'm, I do think that I, I agree with Giannis saying that each year is a stepping stone to greatness. And every year someone's going to win and someone's going to lose. Like, you can't win every year. I understand that, and I agree with that. But you're not, if you're going to lose, you don't lose to the Miami Heat. That's without their third or without key pieces. Tyler Euro, Victor Oladipo. And one player single-handedly beat you pretty much, which was Jimmy Butler. I mean, we forget Kyle Lowry is still dealing with a hamstring injury. And they're playing a bunch of undrafted players. Gabe Vincent, Max Struess. And you lose. So while I respect what Giannis said, and I agree to some extent, I don't agree with the fact that this was a failure of a year because of just everything that went into it. And this was, I don't even care if Miami wins or loses next round to the the Knicks. This is a, a win for Miami, especially seeing where they were this year in there was a lot of times where they weren't even in the playoff hunt. To now be in the conference semifinals is crazy. Crazy. And and the playoffs, the playoffs expose, and we'll talk about that in a second when we talk about uh, the Knicks and Cavs, but they, they, they show you who's who. And I talked about this before, but you can't do a lot of fluff in the playoffs because teams that the team that you're playing one team for a seven game series or in a seven game series. And there's, they know you, you just have to perform better and operate better. Again, I still cannot understand how the Milwaukee Bucks lost that series. I can't even come in here and do a breakdown because it's just like, Everyone, Brooke Lopez played well. He had 36 one game. Giannis had a triple-double. Yes, again, he was one of the biggest reasons why they lost game five, but this series as a general, in general, Giannis did miss two and a half games. But still, they won. The, the, the Bucks won one of those games. That's the one. Drew Holiday was playing well until... He had to guard uh, Jimmy Butler, and then that kind of went went out the window. So I don't I don't know, man. But the playoffs do one one thing that I do love about the playoffs is they expose you for who you are, and 
there's a reason why you hear about a playoff Jimmy. Because the, the, the best players come to perform and, and the best players shine and rise in the playoffs. And that's what we're seeing with a Jimmy Butler. Um, it, and that's what we're seeing with a Steph Curry, with a De'Aaron Fox. We'll talk about them in a second. The best players come alive. And they understand that the success of the team is going to be on your shoulders. Doesn't mean it has to be as heavy on your shoulders like it is for Jimmy Butler and the Heat, but it's going to be on your shoulders. And some people rise to the occasion, some people do not. And of course, we'll talk about that on the other side in a second. But also wanted to talk about uh, and shout out the the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics. You know what? You know what the Boston Celtics series showed me. The 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 Heat showed me this too, but or the Heat series and the Bucks, but. The Boston Celtics series proved to me that there is not a great team in this playoffs. There are good teams. Don't get me wrong. There are really good teams. But there is not a great team in this playoffs. And every team, I see an avenue for failure and an avenue for losing and for every team. The Boston Celtics beat of course the Atlanta Hawks 3 to two, or 4 to 2, but they shouldn't have they were they were in a dogfight in game 6. And every single team has an avenue to lose. There's not a team. I don't think there's a team that's just leaps and bounds is better than every single team in this playoffs. There's usually, I thought it was the Boston Celtics, but the Atlanta Hawks, which you can argue the Atlanta Hawks was the worst, one of the worst teams probably outside of Minnesota in the playoffs. And they gave the Celtics everything that they got. Everything that they could handle. There is not a great team in this playoffs. There's a lot of good ones. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of good teams. But there is not a great team in this playoffs. And that is even including the Golden State Warriors. So, but shouts out to the Celtics for handling business. Uh, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. The, the one thing that the Celtics do is they just beat you with waves. And they, they're they the true definition of live by the three, buy, die by the three, because they shoot in an exorbitant amount of threes. And, of course, Golden State does too, and the Kings, but the Celtics do it to a whole nother level. But Jason Tatum, I mean, a team that, of course, was led by Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, they, they're, they're a very good team, don't get me wrong. And, and I felt that, I thought they were going to sweep the Hawks, but obviously I was wrong. Um, I don't think there was – actually, there was there was one. <laughs> forgot about the Nets. But now we're going to see how good a team – or how good the Celtics are and, honestly, how good the 76ers are because this is the matchup that, to me, because the, the, the Bucks are out, whoever wins this series between the 76ers and Boston – has a clear path to I'm not gonna say clear because I mean the Knicks are pretty good in the Heat and Jimmy Butler, but they are to me now the 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 76ers and, and Celtics are the best team leaps and bounds in the East. So whoever wins that series is going to make it to the championship in my opinion. And I think 
it's really it's 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 a, it's a coin toss. I thought going in, and I'll probably still pick the Celtics to win that series, but it was a, now it's a coin toss because injuries. What's Joel Embiid gonna look like? What James Harden are they gonna get? The Celtics are. I mean, you almost you almost got forced to a game seven against the Atlanta Hawks. The 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 seventy six are a better team, so I, I'm interested to see what it is. But you know, playoff basketball. Playoff basketball. I talked about how the playoffs expose you for who you are. And some people ride to the occasion. Some people do not. All year, we've been doing nothing but heaping praise on Donovan Mitchell and the Cleveland Cavaliers. And rightfully so. They deserved all the praise that they received this year. You know, they Donovan Mitchell had a 70-point game. Uh, Donovan Mitchell pretty much unlocked. We always thought the Cavs were like a star away. And we thought Donovan Mitchell was that star. He, I mean, the Celtics, I mean, the Cleveland Cavaliers had one of the best offenses and so statistically the best defense in basketball in the regular season. So we thought, now, yes, I did pick the Knicks to win that series. I just didn't think they were going to win in freaking five games. But I thought that the, the, the Cleveland Cavaliers were a piece away, and Donovan Mitchell looked like to, looked to be that piece. But one reason why we questioned Donovan Mitchell, and one reason why Donovan Mitchell is, is we don't know every year. The Utah Jazz were in the playoffs, and they would lose in the playoffs. More than likely, Donovan Mitchell would would come 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 up small, or be outshined by another player, and he was unable to lift that Utah team past the team in the playoffs. Now, yes, you can talk about the bubble where he. Was going, you know, he was getting fifty point games left and right, but so was Jamal Murray, and of course the the Denver Nuggets overcame the Utah Jazz. You can talk about Utah going against the Clippers, and they should have won that series because Kawhi Leonard didn't even play that series. However, Paul George was the best player in that series. Every year you look, Donovan Mitchell came. Well, came came small compared to another person, which ultimately lost in the series. The Cleveland Cavaliers were completely outmanned and 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 just completely outclassed and out out yeah outclassed by the New York Knicks. Jalen Brunson outplayed Donovan Mitchell almost every game, pretty much every game. And one of the biggest reasons why I had the Knicks winning this series was because, and I said, the Knicks excel in areas that the Cavaliers don't. And that is, well, yes, the Cavaliers are incredible at at on defense as far as protecting the rim. Evan Mobley hasn't made that jump yet to be an offensive weapon. Neither has Jared Allen. I don't think Jared Allen ever. Uh, Jared Allen ever will. That's just he's. That's just you know he's a big. 
But again, Jalen Brunson outplayed Donovan Mitchell. And that is that is the that is the matchup that Donovan Mitchell had to win. Because Julius Randle didn't even play that well the last few games. I mean, he got hurt the last game. But Obi Toppin stepped up. Emmanuel quickly stepped up. RJ Barrett finally found his shot. Everyone that needed to come and play for the Knicks did. And the, what the playoffs also do is they expose your weaknesses. And I talked about this last episode. In the playoffs, in, in playoff matchups, they expose your weakness and either you're able to overcome them or you're going to you're, you're going to lose because of them. The Milwaukee Bucks, one of their biggest weaknesses was they're they're not the best offensive team as far as half court offense. You they're running, you have Giannis with a full head of steam, they're going to you're gonna lose. But what the Heat did, and one of the biggest reasons why they lost, is the Heat forced them to be a a a, a half court jump shot team, and it didn't work. The Cleveland Cavaliers were historically one of the best defensive ever as far as protecting the rim. But like I said, Donovan Mitchell's not the best defender. Darius Garland's not the best defender. And on top of that. Outside of Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, they don't really have a third option. And the Knicks capitalize on that. So I said all that to say, I don't think Donovan Mitchell, one of the biggest reasons why, I even put a video about this a while ago, about Donovan Mitchell's value. Donovan Mitchell is one of the best. He's an incredible regular season player. He He's an incredible scorer. If you're if you're building for the regular season, I would go with Don. I would I would not be surprised if someone wanted to build their team around Donovan Mitchell because he has proven to be an incredible regular season player. But what he has also proven, at least up to this point of his career, is he is not a player that you can build around once playoffs get there, because there there were multiple times when he had the better team. And they've lost. So, congratulations to the Knicks. I think that it's going to be a very interesting and a very good series between the Heat Heat and the Knicks. But another year, Donovan Mitchell comes up short. Donovan Mitchell, a Donovan Mitchell-led team comes up short. So... Yeah. Again, I'm, I'm recording this Friday afternoon... So I don't know what the outcome of the Knicks, I mean, of the Grizzlies, Lakers, and Kings Warrior Series. I will say this, and I'm not going to stay on this long because I don't really need to. I think the 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 Warriors understand. I think the Grizzlies understand. The Warriors winning game six, or no, winning game seven. No, what am I talking about? Winning game five at home. at Golden State winning game five in Sacramento. You had to steal one. If the Warriors were going to win the series, you had to steal one. And we talked about breaks last episode. You you saw – all right. 
a lot of people are confused about what we saw about De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron Fox, of course, fractured his finger, fractured his finger on a shooting hand, had to wear a brace. Uh, he was doubtful at first, came to play, and he was on fire. <laughs> I, I mean, he was on fire the first. I think the first half he scored like seventeen points. Like he was, he was on fire. And a lot of people think we did not see the injury pop up. And I'm saying no. We saw the injury pop up exactly when it was supposed to pop up, and that was the second half. Darren Fox was terrible the second half. He was losing the ball. He he had a hard time controlling the ball as far as grip. He he couldn't really shoot like that because the adrenaline, whatever drugs he was, well, whatever medicine he was on, came down the second half. And that's when you saw Golden State, I'm not going to say take off, but you saw Golden State do what they had to do. And you also saw the youth of the Sacramento Kings because quite as kept, Kevin Herter has not been playing well. He has not been able to shoot the ball that well. And Keegan Murray, he kind of came on game four, game four, but he didn't shoot that much game five. Sabonis, he had a better game, but he wasn't playing that well. Malik Monk started going crazy, <laughs> but it just wasn't enough. So I, I wonder how – here's the thing. I, I think Golden State understands, and I, I, and I think fans understand as well. Golden State has to close out this game. They have to close out. You don't – Golden State already struggles at home, or already struggles not at home, already struggles on the road. The last thing you want to do is have to go play a game seven on the road in Sacramento. Not saying you can't win because we just proved that they can, but Golden State has an aura about being at home and, of course, winning at home. Now, yes, we understand that Harrison, if Harrison Barnes would have would have made that shot, the game-winning shot, things would have been a lot different. But a lot of people don't talk about that. If Steph Curry would have never had an, a, a Chris Webber moment and called a timeout that he didn't have, or if he would have hit the floater, then this would have never been a thing. Or if Andrew Wiggins would have hit that wide-open shot game one to win the game, it would have never been a thing. But I think that Golden State understands, at least I hope they understand, that they have to win game six. Because the last thing you want to do is half or lose game six at home and have to win a game seven on the road in Sacramento, giving De'Aaron Fox yet another day to 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 rest up, to have his hand or to to let his finger heal. And while, yes, Golden State has dealt with an environment like that. This is when, you know, situations like that is when you want to lean on habits that you built in the regular season. And Golden State has not built a habit of winning on the road, which is why I think it was so big that they won on the road, of course, at or game five. Now, game six, I think they ha- they they understand they have to win this game. They have to understand that. 
And of course, you have to win this game at home where your role players play better. I mean, think about what happened game five. Steph Curry had 30 points. Klay Thompson had like 25. Draymond Green, who Draymond Green had 20 some 20 some points and shot like eight for ten. Andrew Wiggins had 20 plus. You have four players over 20. Now, I don't think that's going to happen again. I don't see Draymond Green having a 20-point game again. But now that you're at home, maybe Jordan Poole plays better. Maybe you can get Moses Moody more more, more points. Donovan De- or Dante DiPincenzo might score more. I don't know. But I think Golden State understands that they have to win this game. Because I think if they lose this game, they're going to lose game seven, in my opinion. And I think the same, and the Lakers kind of feel the same way, in my opinion. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be. I said this last episode, but I'm gonna be real with you. The Lakers are not a good team. The Lakers are riding momentum, and the Lakers are streaking at the right time, but they are not a good team. Or let me not say that. Let me, let me, let me. The Lakers are a very beatable team. I said every team in this in this playoffs has a weakness, but the Lakers are there's a reason why they're in the seventh seed. The Lakers are inconsistent. And the Lakers your best play what you're what you're seeing, you're starting to see age really affect LeBron James. Which of course rightfully so. He's been great for twenty I mean, for twenty seasons at this point. But Anthony Davis has been inconsistent. And their guards have been inconsistent. And I think they know, just like Memphis knows, and just like Golden State knows, they have to win game six. Game six is at is, is in L.A. They just got destroyed game five. Game six, they need to win. Because the last thing you want to do, and kind of like the kind of like the Sacramento Kings, the Memphis Grizzlies play drastically different at home. Memphis plays like the Memphis with with at home. You have Desmond Baines playing well. You have John Morant playing well. You have Jalen Brooks ain't really been playing well at all. But you, you you know you know what I'm saying. The last thing you want to do is have to go against the the Grizzlies, which quite is kept. It's a better team then the Lakers, they just don't have the size. But that doesn't matter if you have Anthony Davis that's so inconsistent. One one game he'll have 35 or 31 and 15. Next game he'll have 10 points. Then he'll come back, have 35 and 18. Then he'll have 14 points. Like, what are we doing here? L.A., I think, I hope L.A. understands that they need to win this game. Just like Golden State, because I do not see an L.A. team beating, especially the L.A. team that we've seen these last two games. I don't see an L.A. team beating the Grizzlies in a game seven, especially a Grizzlies that L.A.'s, one of the L.A.'s biggest problems outside of inconsistencies, they, they're not good at guarding the three at all. There's so many times where they have they don't even close out on three-point shooters. 
Now, yes, Memphis doesn't have the greatest onslaught of three-point shooters, but Desmond Bain can hit a shot. Luke Kennard is one of the best three-point shooters in the league as far as percentage-wise. Jared Jackson Jr. can hit a three. John Morant looks like he's getting better at three. Tyus Jones is one of the best three-point shooters. So, Xavier Tillman is shooting threes. Like, come on now. Golden State and the Lakers. Again, I'm shooting this before the game, so I don't know. But they, I think they understand they need to win this game. They need to win these game sixes. Or more than likely, in my opinion, they will lose game game seven. Both of them. The Lakers and Golden State. So... Oh, I also want to shout out KD. Shout out KD for signing a lifetime deal with Nike. Uh, the only or the second player to do that, I think, ever next to LeBron James. Uh, I know Jordan has like a, you know, Jordan brand, but that's 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 big, especially from a, a, a dude down, you know, from the crib. Shouts out to KD, one of the greatest basketball players ever. Signing a lifetime deal with Nike. But there you have it. That has been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I truly appreciate you guys. If you want a popular podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve, joggers, the link is in the description below. I have multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Whatever you want, I got. Whatever color you're looking at, I got you. Just click the item, click the product, click the color, click buy. It's coming to you, my G. So I definitely appreciate it. Also, subscribe to every listening. Subscribe to every watching. It definitely means a lot to me. Subscribe to the Instagram. Subscribe to the TikTok. Or follow the Instagram. Follow the TikTok. It definitely means a lot. And pumping out content every day on my socials and everything. So, yeah. Until next time, much love. Mm-hmm.